0: Screen with you. Are you able to see them now? Yes. Okay, great. Um, So today I decided to talk to you about a recent research uh, project that we have uh, completed and it's still ongoing in Bolivia. Uh, And the topic of the research project is one that uh, unfortunately we all have heard about and know about. There has been numerous reports uh, in media, in institutional reports, as well as in research studies that have uh, documented a rise in violence targeting women and children during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, And this has been uh, termed as the shadow pandemic by UN Women as well as others. Uh, And there has been debates about the potential factors that have been contributing to that, and there could be uh, many. And here on this slide, I. Uh, I took an image from UNWomen.org that summarizes uh, some of the key ones starting with uh, concerns about security, health, and, uh, and earnings. So in this study, uh, what we do is we had been collaborating with an NGO uh, in Bolivia to evaluate a youth empowerment program that they, uh, they were implementing there already before the start of the pandemic. Uh, and the the program uh, targets uh, economically and socially vulnerable youth aged between 15 to 18 and provides them with training to improve their skills as well as mentoring to enable them to uh, find uh, better jobs uh, in the labor market eventually and what we find the key finding of our study is that we find that this program that was implemented a few months before the pandemic and the lockdown started in Bolivia uh, enabled somehow girls to be shielded from the rise in uh, violence targeting, uh, targeting youth and in particular women during this period. And so in our study, we try to understand through what potential mechanisms the program may have, uh, may have done so. Uh, and the, the, the key policy implication of our study is that youth empowerment programs like the one that we uh, studied in Bolivia, can curtail the rise of uh, violence against young women during high-risk periods, such as the pandemic that we are unfortunately living through. So let me tell you a little bit more about the program and what it does. So the program is implemented by the NGO Save the Children in Bolivia. Uh, And uh, as I already mentioned, the the youth that are targeted are. are socially and and economically vulnerable youth. Uh, And in order to identify them, the staff of, say, the children, uh, they conduct numerous uh, checks and uh, verify various uh, selection criteria that they have, uh, which is quite difficult, of course. But uh, to summarize briefly, essentially, they check conditions such as uh, when it comes to social vulnerability, things like uh, housing conditions that the youth live in whether they have access to healthcare, if they have suffered from any violence in the past, uh, if, they, if they are uh, troubled with substance abuse, et cetera. And in terms of economic vulnerability, they look at their, uh, the income of their household, uh, whether they are already in the labor force, uh, and if they have any economic support from their families. After these uh, selection criteria uh, identify the eligible youth, Uh, the participants are then provided over a course of four to six months uh, with first of all training and in this uh, training there are different types Uh, there are there are courses that are aimed towards improving what we call soft skills of the youth and these are skills related to uh, things like self-confidence but also more practical uh, things like uh, how to write a cv and how to apply for a job etc And then there's sexual awareness uh, education. And then there's some uh, technical skills or vocational skills whereby uh, youth in different parts of the country, they receive training in uh, various vocational skills that are identified as uh, potentially uh, attractive to employers in the local labor market. Following this, they they receive also mentoring from the NGO staff uh, as they try to Uh, apply for jobs and to uh, stand on their own feet. Uh, And uh, this job finding assistance continues. So overall, all of these uh, aspects take uh, from four to six months. So in order to evaluate the effects of this program, we uh, collaborated with Save the Children to implement a randomized control trial. Uh, So the uh, staff of Save the Children, they identified 600 youth that were potentially all eligible for the program, and this was uh, roughly uh, 60% female and the rest males, Uh, and we then proceeded to randomize these 600 youth into two groups. 300 youth uh, were enrolled and started the program uh, right away in September 2019, and 300 youth uh, would have participated uh, later after our evaluation period was over. Uh, So we conducted first a baseline survey where we interviewed uh, the participants in depth before the program started. And then the program started, as I mentioned, in September of 2019 and continued until early 2020. Uh, And then unfortunately, as we know, in February, March, the pandemic also arrived in Bolivia. And uh, around the beginning of March, Bolivia entered a nationwide lockdown as well. So uh, our original plan was to continue and uh, surveying the youth face to face, but of course, we were not able to do so. So instead, we followed up on them with a brief phone interview in in, uh, September 2020. So roughly one year after the program had started and six months into the national lockdown. So during the interview, amongst other things, we also wanted to monitor the prevalence of violence. But for this, uh, this is, first of all, difficult to measure, of course. So we relied on two types of measures. One is a direct report by the youth themselves. And secondly, we also use what we call item list experiments. So these are, uh, this is a method that is commonly used in the literature to measure sensitive topics that might be difficult for respondents to report. Uh, so instead of asking them directly, we ask indirectly through uh, use of uh, lists, uh, and, uh, of course, again, because this is a very important and sensitive topic, uh, the staff that was collecting the information were carefully trained uh, and they followed very stringent ethical guidelines. Uh, in particular, we were very concerned about guaranteeing respondent safety uh, and, o- of course, also offering any follow up uh, services that might be uh, useful for those who report any that they have been subjected to any violence. Uh, and before I go into the results, let me mention that at baseline, already many of boys and girls in our study were unfortunately reporting very high levels of violence, more than 50% of them. Uh, and the rate of this violence was not that different, uh, this reported violence between boys and girls at baseline. And let me also point out that this high level of violence, unfortunately, is not unique to this study. There's been other studies... Uh, for instance, conducted by UNICEF that have documented similar high levels of violence amongst vulnerable youth in Bolivia. So in this slide, uh, I'm showing you a figure that just summarizes the key finding of our study. Uh, Here you see a bar chart where the blue bars represent the average rate of uh, different types of violence that was self-reported by girls in our survey uh, and in the control group. And the red bar shows the corresponding rate in the in our treatment group. So uh, in the first set of bars, you see that in the uh, girls, um, amongst the girls in our uh, control group, about 21% of them ha- reported that they had been subjected to some type of violence in the last three months. Uh, so this was during the lockdown period. And relative to that, the red bar next to it shows us that in the treatment group, this was almost Uh, reduced to half so only uh, about 11 percent of them reported it so that's telling us that the program reduced the prevalence of self-reported violence amongst girls in our study uh, by 10 percentage points which is a 50 percent reduction relative to the control group in the rest of the figure you see the three types of violence we asked about physical psychological and sexual so we see a reduction in all three types of violence Uh, And the rates are particularly statistically significant for psychological and sexual violence amongst girls. In terms of other findings, when we look at the same effects amongst boys, we do not see uh, any differences uh, between treated and control group uh, boys. Uh, But importantly, we also see that the rate of boys, uh, the rate of violence among, among the boys during this period was much lower than amongst girls. So it was 7%. Uh, whereas, as I showed you before, amongst girls in the control group, it was 20%. So they, they were at a lower level, and the program did not really change the prevalence of violence amongst boys. When we look at the uh, rate of violence uh, as measured indirectly through the item list experiment, we see that uh, we see a similar pattern in the sense that uh, th- there is a reduction uh, in the treatment group. Uh, but unfortunately, we see when I when ask indirectly, if anything, the rate of violence reported in the control group amongst girls is much higher. It's almost 40 percent. So this is in line with other studies that show that when asked indirectly, typically reported violence rates are higher. Uh, we also go on to think about uh, what, what, how did the program achieve this very important finding to lower prevalence of violence during this very uh, high risk period. Uh, So, of course, we are here limited by the fact that we only have information coming from a brief phone survey. But one thing we have information on is their earnings, and we do see that the program somehow enabled girls to have higher income. In particular, girls that were uh, participating in the program, they had 40% higher monthly earnings during the lockdown, uh, and compared to the control group. We do not see any difference for boys in terms of earnings. So this this suggests that improving the earnings uh, of girls in the treatment group may have enabled them somehow uh, to shield themselves from uh, domestic violence. And in the literature, uh, there are various mechanisms through which higher income may, of course, have reduced uh, the prevalence of violence. It could have been through reducing stress related to loss of income, or it could have been through improving the, uh, the position of girls in their relationships, either with their partners or with their households. We also have some information uh, in terms of their soft skills. Here we do not see any any impacts, but again it's difficult to measure skills in general, in particular soft skills through a phone survey especially, so we are here limited in terms of what we can say. And there are other possible mechanisms that the program may have worked through which we cannot really measure in the phone. Uh, It may have improved girls' social networks and they may have Uh, gathered support through their newfound uh, networks that they met through the program. It may have also provided them better access to support services by providing information or getting to know the staff of, say, the children or other uh, organizations. So uh, to conclude, uh, our our findings show that a youth empowerment program that was quite multifaceted, that combined training and mentoring prior to the pandemic Uh, lowered the prevalence of violence among young women in Bolivia during this very high risk period. And I'd like to also point out that ours is not the only study that uh, finds similar evidence. For example, there's another study by uh, Oriana Bandiera and co-authors where they showed that during the Ebola pandemic in Sierra Leone, uh, an NGO program that provided safe space and training to girls before Ebola pandemic started after the pandemic, made it much easier for them to go back to school and also shielded them through uh, engaging in other uh, risky uh, behaviors afterwards. Uh, and this is also in line with a bunch of research that highlights the importance of social safety uh, programs in uh, protecting.